Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to this special five-part podcast series sponsored by Affiliated Monitors, which celebrates Affiliated Monitors' 15 years in business as the first entity specializing in independent integrity monitoring. Founded in 2004, Affiliated Monitors provides independent integrity monitoring and ethics and compliance assessments nationally and internationally and across almost all industries. With its knowledge of effective ethics and compliance programs and cultures, Affiliated Monitors is respected for its work as the corporate monitor on matters ranging from multinational corporations to small and mid-sized companies and even individuals. Having served in nearly 750 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on how an independent monitor can help improve your company's ethics and compliance programs, visit this podcast series sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, at www.affiliatedmonitors.com. In this five-part podcast series, I'm joined by Eric Feldman, Senior Vice President of Affiliated Monitors. We take a deep dive into the Department of Justice Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs, the 2019 guidance, which was released in April of this year. Over the next five podcasts, we will explore the challenges, excuse me, the changes that are in the 2019 guidance from the Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Program's 2017 guidance, which was released back in February of 2017, the structure and the emphasis of the 2019 guidance, and what does it mean for the compliance practitioner. We will also take a look at each specific prong. So is the program well designed? Is it being a implemented effectively, and does the compliance program work in practice? In this episode one, we introduce the 2019 guidance, and Feldman gives us some of his general observations about the document, how it can be used, and why it is so significant for the compliance practitioner going forward. This special five-part series is a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. And this is a welcome to the five-part podcast series sponsored by Affiliated Monitors on the Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs 2019 Guidance issued by the Department of Justice in April 2019. I have with me Eric Feldman. Eric is the Senior Vice President at Affiliated Monitors. Eric, first of all, welcome. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate you having me. Eric, I'm really looking forward to this podcast series. There's a lot uh, for us to digest and talk about. So uh, maybe we could just start by uh, getting sort of generally, what were your observations on the changes in the 2019 guide? Well, uh, very interesting. So, you know, as you know, you and I were together when this was sort of um, – surprised uh, bouncing on the ECI conference in Dallas. No one expected this to occur. And um, I think it was pretty well received overall. And it, a lot of people have asked the question, you know, how does this differ from the guidance that Wei Chen put out in 2017? Um, and at the time, I was serving as an FCPA monitor and became intimately familiar with that guidance uh, because that was the basis upon which Way was helping to monitor what the monitors were doing on FCPA cases at DOJ at the time. And when you think about it, 
many of these uh, guidance areas in the new DOJ memo um, really build on a lot of what Wei had put into uh, her guidance back in 2017. Essentially, all of the questions, and I haven't gone back and done a checklist, but I think almost all of the questions uh, that one should use to determine whether your program is what DOJ is looking for uh, are still contained within the new guidance, except the new guidance has a number of areas of emphasis that are very different. Um, and they basically divide everything up into three basic questions. The first is, is the program well-designed? Second is, is it being implemented effectively? And the third is, does the compliance program work in practice? Now, we can get into this, but I don't know that there is a huge distinction between whether a program is implemented effectively and doesn't work in practice. There are a lot of overlaps there, but I think that they've done a good job of separating out many of the evaluation categories that Wei had into these three different questions. And I think it's useful for the prosecutor and useful for a company uh, to look at a program that way. Eric, maybe the default is that uh, all lawyers are taught to uh, argue, think, and write in three. So uh, it's certainly <laughs> an easier way for me to to think through this. And But within the structure of the three questions, which I actually applauded, uh, question number one, is the corporation's compliance program well-designed is by far the, the largest section. So perhaps uh, we could uh, start with that section. And what did you see as some of the uh, either key changes, what remained the same, which is in and of itself is critical. And then the, uh, the overall uh, uh, synthesis I took away, which is this is not a rigid formula, but it's a framework for compliance practitioners to utilize in not only evaluating their own compliance program, but even designing or implementing uh, a compliance program for their organization going forward. Well, you know, I should say up front that there are certain things that were put at the, in the introduction of um, this guidance before you get to well-designed that really bear on that question, the first question of whether it's well-designed. And one of them is what you alluded to, that this is not a rigid formula. They're saying, and they say it several times throughout the guidance, that this is not intended to be a checklist. It is not intended that organizations of every size in every industry will find every one of these guidance items applicable to what it is they're doing. And that really is music to my ears on how we evaluate programs. It has to be customized. And for the first time, I think, uh, it's tacit recognition on the part of DOJ that their prosecutors need to look at very individual circumstances on what makes a good compliance program. Uh, and, you know, for example, one of the things that they say in this guidance is that um, the organizational placement and authority uh, and reporting chain of a 
corporate ethics and compliance officer is going to be different in a large organization with resources than a small organization where that duty might be a collateral duty or an organization where you might have to contract out that position. And they recognize that. And so to me, it's sort of a great equalizer understanding that companies of all sizes can still meet the uh, intentions that DOJ has for an ethics and compliance program without having a gold-plated program. Uh, that's really the first big uh, introductory statement. Uh, so as we go into well-designed, the most important thing that I got out of this section was the emphasis on risk assessment. Uh, I hadn't seen that before, and they state that it's a starting point for a prosecutor's evaluation of whether a program is well-designed and that you have to understand the company's business from a commercial, not an ethics perspective, how the company has identified its risk profiles and how it's devoted appropriate resources to each risk that an individual company faces. In other words, they're asking the question, if you don't know your company's risks, how can you design an effective plan? Eric, if I could that, pick up on one point you raised there, uh, because I saw this point throughout the entire 2019 guidance, and that was the commercial aspects. It seemed to me that throughout this guidance, it was, um, although clearly some focus on law, uh, because it did come from the Department of Justice, a much more focus on asking the compliance practitioner to think about the commercial aspects and wrap your policy around the commercial aspects of your organization, starting with your risk assessment. Well, you know, it's it's very interesting. I, I think that what you see here is a recognition that, uh, by the DOJ. Companies are in business for commercial success. There, I think, is a, a correct understanding that companies are not going to be motivated to make the investments that they need to make in compliance and ethics if they don't see a return on investment and some impact on the bottom line of the company. Not just saying that there'll be a negative impact if you don't do it, but that there's a positive impact if you do it. And therefore, it's a tacit understanding that all a compliance program is, is a way to manage risk. And the, the bottom line analysis, it isn't that it's the right thing to do, although it is. It isn't that it'll keep you out of trouble with the DOJ, which this guidance shows it will. But it's also the fact that it's good business and it can help remove impediments to the success of your commercial enterprise. And I like that they're focusing more on that because it gives those of us who are compliance practitioners a little bit more uh, juice when we go into companies. It's not just about somebody says this is the right thing to do, but from a commercial perspective, this is what you need to do in order to succeed. So I do like that. Within the context of that um and I'm sorry I interrupted you in the middle of uh, a discussion of risk assessment. What do you see as some of the uh, 
indicia that compliance practitioners not not so much need to look at because you talked about that, but how, how do they apply the risk assessment to the rest of the design going forward? Well, um, I think they view it as a um, sort of a life cycle. Uh, and they say right up front that you have to understand the business, assess it, assess the risks, and then determine the particular type of misconduct most likely to occur based on your company's risks on the line of business and the regulatory environment um, are part of it. The effectiveness of the risk assessment is also going to be considered um, in evaluating how the compliance program is structured. You know, when we've gone into companies, we've seen way too many when we evaluate the program that the program wasn't based on their particular risk. It was an off-the-shelf program they purchased from a law firm. And it addresses risks that really don't pertain to that particular company, like things like insider trading um, and very, very specific risks for a company that is not a publicly held company make no sense. And we've seen a good number of codes of conduct and training that are geared toward things that are not high risk. An interesting related piece to this that DOJ recognizes, and this is later in the guidance, but they recognize that the standard of an effective program, it does not mean that there won't be violations of that program, that there won't be misconduct. And they will not say that the program failed because an individual may have committed uh, a violation of the code of conduct in an area that was perhaps lower risk because the organization put the majority of its resources on the higher risk things, which recognizes that more lower risk things are going to happen if you shift your resources to those things that have the greatest impact. It's all part of the risk assessment process. Um, It's interesting. I've always said when I evaluate a program that I would much rather um, rely on the services or goods of a company that has previously been in trouble with DOJ, had ethical failures, than a company that has it. Because from a risk standpoint, the risk is way lower once you have assessed your controls and remediated them. And that seems to be the objective here more so than before, remediate the program, not just punitive um, uh, judgment at the end of a prosecutorial process. Eric, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but I've been visiting today with Eric Feldman in our episode one of our five-part podcast series. I hope you will join us for our next episode where we continue our exploration of what is a well-designed program. Eric, I look forward to continuing the conversation. Same here, Tom. Thank you. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of our special five-part exploration of the new Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Program's 2019 guidance from the Department of Justice. 
with Eric Feldman, Senior Vice President of Affiliated Monitors. For more information on Affiliated Monitors, check them out at their website, www.affiliatedmonitors.com. I hope you'll join us again for another episode. This special five-part podcast presentation is a presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.